I am currently recording. All right. As am I. And one, two, three, four. Oh. Man, our, our lives seem so boring now that we don't have <laughs> massive trips and basics <laughs> and things to get ready for. It's, I was like, when we were catching up, it's like, so what have you been up to? Well, you know, yeah, yeah. trying to get off coffee. What do you <laughs> yeah, about you? Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, here we go. You're going to out me. So my New Year's resolution for 2019 is to limit my coffee intake to one cup in the morning. We'll see what happens. Because I'm currently Beautiful. on the, um, how many hours in the day? <laughs> uh, well, we, we do, we go a little, a little extra. So I'd say probably 16, 16 awake hours. 16 awake hours. I probably have a cup of coffee at my disposal for 12 of those hours every day. <laughs> it's it's kind of silly and I don't like it. I don't know why I drink it. No. It's just there. It's a waste. Well, I mean, man. Uh, I don't know which Sesame Street character said it or who said it, but you've got a friend in me, bud. I will, <laughs> I will get you through this with plenty of green tea, and we will get those antioxidants going. Uh, yeah. And and I don't know what an oxidant is, but I know that everybody's against them because everyone's all about antioxidants. Yeah. I've never seen anybody pro oxidant. But oxygen is kind of important, right? But it's it's not oxygen; it's an oxidant. So, <laughs> what is that? Oh, I mean, I don't understand. God. We just lost anyone who works in the medical field. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I would love for someone that works in the medical field to write in and be like, by the way, I'm pro-oxidant. Isn't and, it like uh, rust? Isn't it like oxidation on something in yep. your cellular? Losing them, we're losing them faster. <laughs> losing them faster. How about that SLP drum kit? Fat spruce. Nice. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. We're going to be talking. I'm going to give the rundown now. This is episode a lot. And, <laughs> and we're going to have a blast. So we're going to be talking about some must-have drum items, referencing Near Z's article, and that triggered Mike and I to think, well, what are our most needed drum items that we take to a gig and have to have with us wherever we go? We will be reviewing the SLP drum kit made out of fat spruce, which I'm really excited to review because it sounds amazing, it looks amazing, and it's super affordable. So I think that's a fantastic thing for there to be access to in the drum world. And then we'll also do a bunch of your questions, picks of the week, all that stuff. But first, let's talk about Mr. Michael Lomax, our intro groove. Yeah, so this is cool. So Mike Lomax, he he created this entire track in Logic. So he's using Apple Loops and all the stock effects and plugins in Logic. And he records his drums with the Focusrite Scarlett 18i20. So that whole system is really affordable. I mean, aside from the computer, which is going to be the most expensive thing. I don't know what Mike's is using. Um, yeah, they're kind of standard. Audi Technica, sure. Nothing $8 billion. So I think that track proves that you there's no excuse anymore. Start making your own music. I think it, that that is a totally usable track for a band. Uh, oh, totally. Video production, whatever you whatever you want. Absolutely. So he's that using... fantastic. What else does he say? He's got... Um, oh, he's got the an old Yamaha recording custom kit. Sounds awesome. I was just talking to someone the other day that as much as I love to think I like all these crazy vintage abstract drum shells, Birch just always sounds good. I think if I had to pick one drum shell to play for the rest of my life, it would probably be a Birch kit, like a recording custom. Really? It just always sounds good. It's not impressive. They record great. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, exactly. And they're very focused. They have a focused sound. They do their job. All good. Yeah. There's nothing weird about it. it. 
so anyway, he's got Zildjian symbols. So that's that's an awesome track. Thanks, Mike, for stepping up the ante. If anyone wants to get the intro beat, then you better send us a full-on production from now on. <laughs> Come on now. Don't scare people away. Don't listen to Dawson. You get out there with your iPhone and you just put it somewhere near the kit. We'll be fine nope, with it. I want full productions. <laughs> I like the people that write in and say, please don't feature me as an outro group. You guys always forget about that person. <laughs> Well, we don't mean to. We're just drummers. <laughs> By the way, uh, oh, and I didn't mention, but we will be covering an educational topic about how to get more bass drum into your fills, which is something I love talking about because I feel the biggest shift in my drumming from being a kid that played drums into becoming a drummer was being able to have a conversation between my hands and my foot mm-hmm. rather than all these predetermined you know, two with the hands, two with the feet, or just leaving my foot out completely anytime I improvised. So I'm really excited to talk about that. But I got to mention, yesterday I drove down to L.A. Mm. for two hours. Um, wow. And you drove down. Well worth it. I drove down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obviously I could have flown, but uh, I, I, I love the drive to L.A. I-5 is just one straight road for like six and a half hours going from Northern California to Southern California, and it's it's just a great time to think and mm. reflect. I mean, especially with this being the end of the year, the end of all my trips, and me about to put all of my effort now back into Mike'sLessons.com and really try to take education to the next level. And to me, that is how do, how do I keep growing the connection between myself filming a video and you sitting at home in front of your computer or your iPad how do I keep getting that distance to be closed a little bit more so you truly feel like I'm your teacher? So anyways, being able to drive for six hours on a straight road is mm-hmm. a great time to think about all that stuff. But I went down to Southern California to uh, to Anaheim, the home of Aquarian Drumheads, and they had an artist hang slash memorial service for Roy Burns. But it it definitely was not sad. It was a celebration of his life. He was they were playing videos, but Chris Brady, who you know, uh, mm-hmm. the artist rep for Aquarian, he reread the eulogy that he read at the funeral. And oh, cool. uh, the reason we had this was because the Burns family, when Roy, and if you guys don't know, Roy Burns uh, was the president of Aquarian and responsible for everything they did and did a lot of things amazing in the drum industry, including being kind of one of the first people to ever do drum clinics and make drum clinics a thing. I'm not saying he was the first one to ever do it, but he definitely, with along with Roger's Drums, was the first to really make it a big thing. Um, well, the family, when he had his funeral, they kind of wrote all the Aquarian artists and said, look... The Burns family really does not want to turn this into a 2,000-person drum industry hang. Mm-hmm. They want to have a, a quiet funeral for Roy and have it be family and close friends only. So we never got a chance to pay our respects. So that's what this was for. And it was epic, man. So cool. Um, I saw some clips. So it seemed like there was some some shedding going on. Yeah, yeah. They, they had drums there and everything. And, and they, they fully <laughs> catered it. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, but... Not to stereotype, but when you get two or three hundred drummers in a room and there's free food, we're pretty okay with that. I mean, <laughs> How quickly we're the did ones, that stuff disappear? <laughs> yeah, it was it was gone quick. But it, they had like a full taco truck catering thing, and it was good to just connect with a bunch of Aquarian artists. A lot of people drove just as far as I did. You know, I wasn't the only one that made that trip to honor Roy. And then what was really cool is after Chris read the eulogy, and you know. 
it kind of reminded us of how important he was to the scene. And, you know, mm. they're, they're showing clips of him playing with Benny Goodman. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was a badass. I forgot about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then they played the clip from um, it's funny. I mean, out of all the you know thousands of drum solos that he's done, the clip they played at the end of the eulogy was his solo at the Modern Drummer Festival when him, Don Lombardi, right. uh, Herb Brockstein, Herb Brockstein, uh, who else was Vic it? Firth? Vic Firth, yeah, yeah. Um, so they played that clip, and I got to say, what well, the coolest thing was, I, I'm standing around with a bunch of very modern drummers, guys that we all do. You know, I'm standing there with Eric Moore and a couple other buddies and uh, uh, Nick Ruffini and stuff. And we're all very involved in Instagram. And it kind of is like washing over us. If this cat was putting out clips on Instagram, <laughs> he would run the show. Like he was, even then, I mean, what year was that? Do you remember? Oh, I don't Maybe remember. Maybe late 90s, early 2000s? Something like that. But I, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was Roy's last public performance. It was. Yeah. And he was not a watered-down version of himself. He was bad. I mean, and I haven't seen that since... Gosh, maybe since that DVD came out or even videotape came out, and I just forgot like what a what a stud he was. Very mm. powerful drummer, even though he was a very quiet man, he could play, and he's doing all that Max Roach hi hat stuff, but yeah. not like <laughs> trying to do it. He's doing it. Um, yeah, it yeah. was it was really cool. So it was a great day to honor an amazing person that had a huge impact on all of our lives and our industry in general. That's cool. So. I've been kind of wondering, like, is anything shifting at Aquarian? Are they to staying true to his vision? Is everything? Yeah. Like, what's the I think status? that's the plan. I, I know that for me as an artist and a fan, it's been something where I've wondered what is going on. Are you focusing mostly on accessories? Are you focused on, uh, you know, drum heads? I feel like Evans has put a massive focus on let's innovate inside the world of drum heads mm -hmm. and 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 i think that that's something that i want aquarian to do as an artist and i want to be a part of it like i was sitting there thinking okay i want you i always want a single ply texture coated head you know you you forced me into that about two years ago when we started this <laughs> podcast and i do love it it gives me the snap it, and i would say more than anything it gives me the feel that i want yeah. i enjoy the yeah. feel of a single ply texture coated head way more than a double ply head yeah exactly but i still always put a gel or some tape on it and so mm. i would love to develop something with aquarian you know they have the Studio X, but I feel which is like a single ply head, but with a massive ring underneath. Yeah, it's like and a tape ring, isn't? It's like different than the the um, remote like power, power stroke three. Yeah, this is actually like it a is. tape adhesive kind of thing, right? Yeah, and I feel like it's it's way too much for what I'm looking for mm -hmm. as far as deadness. And I also feel like it gives me the double ply feel. So I would love to innovate with Aquarian and come up with something where it's just the answer to everybody's snare drum woes. It's like look. You want that single ply feel, but you always put gels on it to kill it. Like, could mm. the head do that and still have that feel? Because we can mm. get the sound. I mean, I think we all put that Evans dry head on when it came out. It was oh, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Is there a studio anywhere around? Uh, but it also, you know, if you were trying to be very delicate and to have that feel of a single ply head, it didn't have that feel. And it wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to just do its job. So anyways, I think that uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to help get Aquarian to, obviously, if they want to do accessories and all that stuff, that's great. But I also want them to constantly innovate in the drum head scene because I think they they make great drum heads. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, actually, my pick of the week is going to be one of their products. <laughs> Just for doggies. All right, now we did not set that up ahead of time. And uh, all right, we so totally let's get into some stuff. Let's talk about some education. I don't care what you've been up to. Um, <laughs> now, is there anything that you have to talk about, buddy? Anything you want to get off your chest? Nah, man, nah. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, literally no. I mean, I feel like it's funny because you're talking about you take these long rides to kind of think about what you're going to do next and kind of reflect on the year. And since since I kind of got past the basic hump, I have not reflected on that at all. Like, I don't it's kind of concerning me. Like, I haven't even. Yeah. Normally, I replay scenes in my mind like to the point of insanity, and it's like right. it's just it, it happened. It was awesome. I'm not even thinking about it, which I think means I'm ready to do more. Like it yes. wasn't like that was my big thing, and let me just re- relish the moment. Like now, that was one thing. Now let's just keep doing some more things. I think if you relish it and get into it, then it does have a finality to it. Of like, cool, that was. That was it. You won drums. Yeah, you're it was over. A peak. Yeah, <laughs> right. and I. It's funny. I felt the same. I remember calling Amber about it. Uh, it's the second I got off the stage at the UK drum show, which was my big one for the year. Which mm-hmm. I, it was the most pressure packed one for the year. I felt nothing. I went back to the hotel and took a quick nap, but I didn't replay anything in my head. And then I called Amber. I was like, I'm shockingly calm <laughs> after playing this thing that I've been thinking about for a year straight, right? And being nervous about for a year straight, um, and you know, obsessing over. And and honestly, after that, everything has been kind of gravy. The trip to Europe and the festivals in Poland and Spain. I was like, cool, I'll just do my thing. And so I think you're in a good place. I think, if anything, you'll probably, you won't reflect on the performance. I think you'll reflect on the preparation for the performance. And what out of that do you need to do again to repeat something like that? Mm-hmm. And what kind of, it's like, cool, that was a little obsessive and. I don't need to go that crazy yeah. uh, and you'll find a balance, you know, or what could you take out of a certain part of your preparation and put into something else? I mean, for me, it's always a balance of public speaking versus drumming. Who's going to get the attention yeah. for this performance? If it, if I'm playing in Spain, the, the, the attention needs to go to the drumming because I can't speak as much in a second language as I could if I'm say, I don't know it like salt city drums this Wednesday, <laughs> oh, you Wednesday the 5th. <laughs> Like, if you happen to be in Salt Lake City and you want to go to Salt City Drums, there's only, like, five tickets left. So, go let's, get one. Let's talk about what you're up to, Mike. <laughs> uh, you know, just another slice of humble pie. Just hanging out on Chill Street. Whew. I meant to mention in the beginning, and I don't know how to sneak it in, but I am playing there. I'd like to see you guys. Well done. Well done. I need to go to that shop. It looks awesome. Hopefully my friend Nate gets down there to to hang with you during that. Cool, man. I'm really excited. Okay, well, if we're all caught up with each other, let's talk about getting some bass drum (laughs) into our playing. And I, I think a lot of times maybe this gets shifted towards fills because bass drum generally happens to be in our grooves by mm-hmm. nature. But I do remember specifically playing grooves that had a solid, consistent bass drum pattern. And then when I would do a fill, it was only my hands. Uh, and this is, you know, I'm talking about when I was a kid, but yeah. what's the difference between me being nine and a 45 year old that's only played for two years being 47? Well, mm-hmm. no, he'd be 45, but he started at 43. Okay. <laughs> You need to get on the green tea train, homie. 
I don't even flying. know what you're talking about right now. I don't either, bro. I'm just flying. I got some new Dragon Well coffee bean while I was in L.A., and now I'm just, like, zipping. Um, okay, let's slow down. Okay, so the, Anyways, the topic is how to incorporate the kick drum into your fills. <laughs> yes, like I said. So, first decision would be if you were trying to practice this. I mean, if, if that's the result, then we already know the result, and we have to reverse engineer that result. I think one thing to think about right away is, is it linear or nonlinear? Bass drum is involved in both. I can be hitting the cymbals with my mm. kick. It can be you know, doing little chokes with the hi-hat with the kick. Or it can be my hands do a few notes, then my foot does a note or two. Um, do you think like that? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, so no, I don't. But I think okay. now I do because I'm thinking, would you consider... If you play one E and two E and with the hands and then one E and two E and with the foot, would you consider that linear? I wouldn't, even though it is. If, oh, if I did one E and two E and doom, 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 Yeah. Yeah, of course I'd consider that linear. You would. Well, oh, no. I, okay, good point. I don't no, I wouldn't because I would, I would have finished a musical phrase, all hands, then I would repeat that phrase, all foot. Right. And so, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of that as linear. To me, linear is a conversation between the hands and the foot. Yeah, it goes back and forth without two Yeah, and they're, they're mixed together. It's a, it's, a, it's a rich woven tapestry yeah. of rhythm. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think linear. No, I don't know what I think about it. I think of just what is the rhythm I want to play and does it have high and low sounds in it and then I do it but I'm I'm a novice at this I eliminated bass drum in my fills for years so now I'm finally okay. like giving myself permission to go back into that world so I'm is, trying to come up with your strategies bass drum, is your bass drum a bass drum or is your bass drum your third tom in your head melodically uh, for years it's been a separate voice not okay. part of it. It's the low end. It's the upright bass of the drum set. Okay. And I've not thought about the upright bass and the tenor saxophone trading, you know, inter- right. intermingling. It's two totally yeah. different instruments having a totally different role. Uh, and that's that's helped me. But now I'm thinking, especially now that I'm playing more kind of solo environments, like I don't need to worry about the bass player, you know, not not appreciating my e's and uhs on the kick drum <laughs> you know? right yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. was the big thing was if he's just laying down four on the floor and i'm going to play a fill with a bunch of e's and uhs it's just going to become a mess yeah i think it, it also it it totally depends on what your practical application for drumming is if if 90 percent of the time you play by yourself you don't really think of the bass drum as having any responsibility other than frequency maybe yeah but you don't really care where it lands it's not going with anybody but when it's funny i think that's why a lot of people say yeah yeah i learned this fill from youtube or from your website and then i went to go do it on the gig and it didn't work and it's like well yeah you you played it with a baseline that didn't fit that fill and that that fill that you learned was very bass drum centric so of course it's gonna fight it um I don't. That's why I try to not learn specific licks or chops. I try to learn the concept that made the chop possible, and I explore that as much as I can, mm-hmm. so that when the musical situation presents itself, I can then bend the bass drum to fit the situation. So, yeah. as far as practice, let's let's stay in the linear world for now. I think one of the easiest ways to start working on this, instead of having a predetermined eight or sixteen note pattern, is to start with small groupings. So if you only had two notes and you wanted it to be linear, you could have right kick, 
you could have kick right, you could have left kick, kick left, or you could have both hands, eh, then it wouldn't be linear if both hands were in unison. But you could, if you wanted to, you could have a flam and a kick, Mm -hmm. or a kick and a flam. So that, if you played that, even that could be difficult. So let's say I'm just doing right kick, right kick, and it seems like, well, that's stupid. Well, if you did it with a pulse, and then all of a sudden it was 16th note triplets, you're going to have to work that out. Right. Um, it's not not the. I think when we think linear, most drummers just immediately default to 16th notes, and it you know you're going to have to work this stuff out. Mm-hmm. But I think that once you get once you get past two and you get into three, four, five, six, and seven to those groupings, that's where it gets really really cool. Especially once you hit three, and let's say just for argument's sake, we stay in 16th notes only for now. Once you get to right left kick as 16th notes. You're into very hip stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as soon as you get to the one, bar e and, line. Uh, two, yeah. e and a three, e and a, yeah, exactly. And then that's where you start to think like, okay, well, what's the difference of? Let's say if it was right left kick and I accented my right. If you listen to the right hand and the kick, you get a shuffle. You get this doom, good doom, good doom. Yeah. But if you accent the left, button, button. You get a different rhythm, mm-hmm. and then you go to kick right, left, accenting the right, accenting the left. There's so much that you can explore just with even three notes, especially if you're. And I, I wonder what you think about this, but I don't consider keeping time with my left foot. I don't consider that making it nonlinear just because it the time lands. I think it's a timekeeper. No, um, I wouldn't either. I think of the, the okay. left foot by default should be able to just keep time through everything I play. Like I, I just want to have Absolutely. that option to keep some sort of shaker type texture going no matter what I'm doing. I'd, unless I do specific rhythms with the left foot where it's intermingled, right. but no, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider that harmonic. All of a sudden you're playing so, harmonic. I mean, patterns. just that alone, if you did as many variations of three notes, two hands and one bass, not even one hand and two basses, but mm-hmm. two hands and one bass, against a quarter note pulse with your left foot, you're looking at the next six months of your life. If you've never done it. Yeah, and all the permutations, yeah. Yep. So And the dynamic permutations. That That is a certain mindset that, that I don't dip into very often, like thinking okay. that way, um, and I need to do more of it. Where I'm at now is probably elementary level, where I play a rhythm with the hands that has some sort of space in it, and then okay. I fill that space with the bass drum. So if I'm playing okay, so one any place and you're a not- two and a three and a four, the kick goes on the E. So I'm still hearing the rhythm of what the hands are playing. The bass yeah. drum becomes the filler. Got That's it. where I'm at. It just kind of fits with the way I hear drum parts at the moment. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, it could have been a three beat pattern, but it'd be da 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 da, and then I'm just filling in that gap. Yeah, I'm not thinking it's a three. I'm just thinking here's the rhythm I'm playing and fill in the gap. So that's a different mindset. Same result, I think. It is, but I think that both of those mindsets, the blend of those two, is where we find the genius of art and math coming together um, Mm -hmm. to create something that's um, it's something that's not random but it can be chaotic to the listener Uh, and I think like if you think about uh, the physics of the universe we don't have to go that deep (laughs) but is the is the universe completely random 
or is it predictable? It's just very chaotic, and we just don't have enough power to predict everything. And I think drumming can be that sometimes, too, where maybe you watch Mark Juliana or Ari Honig or whoever you think is a great artist, and you just go, like, that dude is out of his mind just making stuff up. But if you talk to them, maybe it was just chaotic but not random. Maybe it was made out of very predetermined things that that person practiced extremely diligently. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of right in line with everything I'm trying to teach is take your take your heroes and realize that they're combining probably a hundred different things that they practiced all at once. Yes, so let's grab one point. thing out of what you hear them doing. Is it a sticking, is it an orchestration, is it a dynamic thing? And then practice that. Because none of these guys came out of the out of the womb just combining polyrhythms and 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 linear and rudiments all at once. Subdivisions yeah. and right. and the touch. I mean all that stuff combines, but you hear Vinny Caillou to play a soul, you're like, he's doing everything. He's playing the entire right. vernacular of drumming all <laughs> at once. And you can, for me, it's overwhelming. I'm like, well, I can never do that. Well, yeah, you can. Just take the one thing. It, he's doing single stroke roll right. between the right hand and the foot. Okay, well, then that's the one thing we're going to focus on for a while. Yeah, I've, 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 that's been – when people say, what, what happens to you when you get uninspired? How do you get re-inspired? A lot of times it's actually that exact process. My go-to guy would probably be Dave Weckl, mainly because he's not a peer of mine. He exists in a stratosphere that me and my current drum buddies, we're not – we're not with that even on an age level. We're mm-hmm. just a generation or two behind that. So I don't feel bad being massively influenced by Weckl, Vinny, uh, Will Kennedy, those guys. Because I just – it's not like Instagram's going to be – you know, they'll call you out. If you borrow something from Benny Greb <laughs> or Annika, they'll call you out hard. So I have to be sure not to borrow or be overly inspired by that stuff other than emotionally inspired. But I can't yeah. be actually drum inspired. So anyways um, – a lot of times I'll throw up an old Weckl video and it's maybe three seconds of video footage that is just something I recognize enough to go run to the kit and try and allow it to launch me on a practice routine. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I'm ripping off a Weckl lick. It's just like, oh, wow, okay, I think that was Swiss triplet based. When was the last time I really tried to explore Swiss triplets on the drum set? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or flam accents, you know? I mean, maybe it's... Maybe it's because I always do Swiss triplets. I'm asking, I never alternate them. I should try a flam accent. Yeah, today. right. Or put the grace note on the drum instead of the cymbal or whatever you're doing. That, yes, exactly. That's a drumming thing. And then I also try to grab more kind of macro conceptual things. Uh, Juliana, mm. I think, is a good a good example where one of the big topics in his book and video is kind of making the resolution points unpredictable, like playing predictable patterns and yes. having them resolve. So rather than practice that, I said, well, why don't I play four-bar phrases and I'm going to end my stuff in random spots, but I'm never going to lose the four-bar phrase. So I didn't go as far wow. as he does and say end on beat four. I'm just saying play three bars and then go back to the hi-hat, and, but that fourth bar, you're not losing track of the four-bar phrase. So You didn't restart a new yeah, phrase so on I bar play four. 16, you knew where you were. So I could play a 16-bar phrase, but it might be chunks of three-bar phrases and seven-bar phrases and never lose right. sight of that entire thing so that's something wow, that's really cool that kind of happened so yeah i don't know how we got that there from how to play the bass drum but <laughs> that was literally something i did yesterday I was like let me just try confusing myself and see if my internal clock can keep me locked to the four bar phrases tangent time by mike and mike <laughs> has been brought to you by dream symbols makers of fine symbols 
<laughs> Holy hey, hell. Hey, they're not sponsoring this episode. Don't give them a free I don't, spot. You know what? They've sponsored enough. They get a couple free mentions every once in a while. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think when it comes to – I think what we came to is a great resolution of you can do it by the numbers. You can do – I'm doing mm-hmm. groupings of three or groupings of five, and you can come up with all your permutations and work through them. And sometimes, to be totally honest, that's exactly what I have to do because the – the vision and the art just isn't there with me all the time. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So sometimes I have to be very mathematical and very methodical. But then other times I love the idea of what you said, you know, like, well, I'm going to play this rhythm and anything that's missing is going to be the bass drum. Yeah, and you don't really know what it is ahead of time. So yeah, I think I'm kind of over way too far that way. I need to go back and say, all right, let's, let's do more deliberate ideas and then see how I can get to the more abstract ideas. Because I think what's happening is I'm probably not even realizing it, playing the same crap over and over again, because <laughs> I'm only hearing these certain limited number of phrases. I haven't forced myself to like, what does, what does a five sound like if you throw a three in the middle of it? And how does it resolve right. if you started on the E? Like, I haven't done that in a long time. And I think I need to dig way back. Yeah, I mean, that. the five is one of those ones that's just long enough and just weird enough that every variation sounds like a completely new world. And just like a paradiddle, everyone has the same five. Right. So, you know, it's like you're going <laughs> to accent right, left, right, left, kick, right, left, right, right. left, kick, or right, left, right, left, left. Everyone has one and three accented yep. and then a little button at the end. And then to think like right, left, kick, left, left, right, left, kick, left, left. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, new world. Fives are blah. Mm-hmm. And to just be able to vinitize it. Vinitize it? Yeah, I feel good about that. To be able to vinitize it, vinitize it. And do that's a T-shirt f- waiting to go. Anyone have a T-shirt company? We need, we need like Vinitize. that. We need kick hair that. We need Vinitize. I don't think I have any. I think you get all the royalties on those. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm the I'm the idiot that comes up with the dumbest things Vinitize ever that make it. Yeah. So if I Vinitized it and did like right, left, kick, left, left as five sixteenth notes, and then starting on the E of two started that same pattern as quintuplets and then rounded it off at the end mm. by dragging it into eighth note triplets, all of a sudden you have this thing where it feels like you're revving the motor of a motorcycle. It's like, oh, oh. And but, you're, like, but you're starting with the same little kernel. That's the, yeah, exactly. the magic, I think. I, I seriously want to stop this podcast right now so I can go practice. <laughs> all right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, Tama makes a great kit and uh, Near Z has things See you guys needs. next week. Bye. All right, take it easy. <laughs> Our outro groove is somebody. Okay, so I think we did good on that. We'll come back to that in the future. Let's talk about Session Great Near Z. You guys did an article with him just talking about the things that his must-have gear. Yeah, and I think I I kind of uh, hinted at some of these ideas. So we're going to be doing something more significant with Near in the future, so I don't necessarily want to go into his whole life story. But I interviewed him recently just to say – simple questions like if you go into a recording session what do you have to have with you like what what do you have to have and or is always there and you just now realize it's always there um, so he this one in particular was more kind of gear specific he kind of went off a little bit with some other things he has to have nicorette he quit smoking like five six years ago but he has to chew nicorette which i thought was just kind of funny He's like, yeah, I, have, I mean, he said that's kind of his hallmark at some of the session, the studios I in Nashville. It. 
where there'll be like rappers of Nicorette and other drummers will send him <laughs> pictures like, you must have been here yesterday. <laughs> There's Nicorette right. everywhere. <laughs> wow. Uh, so anyway, he, he goes more kind of gear specific. I think we can kind of open it yeah. up with you and I and like maybe not just what snare drum, but what maybe unexpected things we tend to always have with this or always realize we forget that we should have had with this. Yeah, I think it's super important. I mean, the one thing that I love is that I see more and more drummers, and uh, you know, I want to stay on near for a second. I mean, obviously, like you said, he talks about the kid he's playing, but that's always a tough thing because we know that I have endorsements, he's got endorsements, so it's like, of course, you have to have that. But mm-hmm. would you tell me if it was something else? Um, so. Um, he says he has a Home Depot shop towel for snare muffling, which has been your pick of the week in the past. Yep. Yeah, which I which stole I think from is him. great. Yep. Okay. Um, and I really like the fact that he's got a massage stick and a massage ball. Like, right. It <laughs> says that he, he needs to have his muscles loose to play this instrument properly, and I really, really like that a lot. Yeah, um, I had uh, I'd originally downloaded the image of the – the the back massager, but we didn't have space to put it in. It's like the weird uh, question mark yeah, looking curled. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think I need like, to get oh, one. Oh god, <laughs> I just I just know that TSA is going through my luggage, and when they see that, I just hope they know what it is. <laughs> Keep it classy, Dawson. All right. Um, okay, so let's talk about some must-haves from you and I. What's something that has to be there with you, uh, or you're bummed if you do forget it. I always have to have earplugs, even if it's a super okay. low volume gig. I never know. Even there's been some rooms where we're barely playing, but there's just a frequency in the room that by the end of two hours, I'm it's ringing, and I'm like, man, I should have put my earplugs in. Just just deal with it. So I I like to show up to the gig wearing earplugs. That way, I'm acclimated to the room with earplugs. Um, and nice. I and I use the erasers most of the time because they're they're the most transparent that I've found. I've got a you know I try a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of great stuff, but those are my favorite eraser earplugs. They're in my jacket pocket at every gig. Wow, awesome, beautiful. What's your first one? Uh, I would say my first one would be uh, Burt's Bees uh, lip yeah. balm. I use it all the time on my sticks when I get to dry climates. Um, oh man, that just, would go flying out of my sweaty hands. <laughs> no, no, it makes it no, it, it gives it just this little bit of grip. Um, really? So, so yeah. So I would say like um, maybe fifteen minutes before I go on stage, I just take it out and I just almost like sex wax or something like on a surfboard. I just kind of rub it on the sticks and then I kind of rub it in with my hands a little bit, and then there's a little bit of this you know, tackiness to my hands and to the stick. And then I have grip for the rest of the night. So, Mm. um, that's something that I just have with me all the time. And worst case scenario, I mean, as far as like the negative to it, my hands smell like mint. How is that a bad thing when I'm doing the meet and greet later? (laughs) A little sticky, but they smell like mint. It's awesome. Yeah. I guess that's better than like a real chemically like glue or something. Well, I tried that. I think I told you when we first started this podcast, I tried that. um, Steve Nash had a product that was called liquid chalk, Hmm. but um, it's for basketball players. But the primary ingredient in it was alcohol. And I always felt weird doing meet and greets with kids smelling like an old boozer. Uh, Uh, Yeah. I had to explain to him like, hey, I know I smell like I reek like rubbing alcohol, but (laughs) it was just so I could have good grip on my stick. So Burt's Bees is probably my first one. What's your next one? Um, Something that I always take with me, even though I don't need it, is my old-fashioned Dr. Beat metronome. I just don't trust my my phone to not go to sleep or to not lose its power. So I have my old-school 9-volt battery 
doctor beat metronome always there. Nice. And I, I try to program at least the first set in the memory so I can kind of just scroll through and kind of get the gig off to the right start. And maybe I won't use it later, but it's always there. That's always in my uh, my, my symbol bag, actually. I don't want to go on a tangent. I don't want to start this now, but we definitely should do a review on mobile metronomes, like mobile phone metronomes, yeah. Yeah. metronome apps, because there's so many, and it's shocking how hard it is to find one that's just simple and does its job, yeah. but is also inspiring. You know, every once in a while I see one where I'm like, well, it does its job, but God, I don't want to open that in front of somebody. <laughs> Who's the graphic designer on that? Uh, okay, next thing for me is some sort of protein bar and mm. near mentioned the same thing but when i'm traveling internationally and i'm on someone else's schedule there's nothing that can make me have a bad clinic more than being hungry mm. so i just have to be able to at all times get myself to a point that i'm not hungry so i i don't you know i request protein bars to be in the dressing room but honestly in some countries what they call a protein bar, we call like a Snickers. Right. And I'm yeah. like, well, yes, technically because there's peanuts, there's protein, <laughs> but this is not what I was requesting. So I always bring my own with me. And it's just one of those things where, like I said, if I kind of in 15 minutes from playing, I can eat it, satisfy myself enough that I'm not hungry on stage. Because uh, I don't get like angry hungry. I get almost like dizzy. Yeah. Where I'm like, man, I am, I am not able to think straight. I'm starting to use a lot of ums and pause words to buy me time to think. So protein bars are a big thing. You got something else? Yeah, on the, along the same lines for me, it would be emergency vitamin C, vitamin B packets. Mm. Um, and it's yeah, almost man. like a it's almost like a like a a ritual that I have to have before a gig. Usually, usually if it's a late night gig, if it's an early gig or, or if I, I didn't work all day and I'm kind of rested, I don't really fret about it. But if I know I'm going to have to be up at like midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., I always have one of those before the gig. And it, it does give me a, an extra sense of clarity and just yeah. focus through the show. I don't get tired. I don't and you're like, talking about the actual company emergency, like the packets that yeah, you pour yeah, into water? Yeah, the powder packets, yeah. the ones that have the most Yeah, and it's got like a good B. B12 shot. Yep. 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 And that just helps. It gets me through. I don't I don't get to the end of the night thinking, man, I can't wait to go to bed. I'm just like... And it probably, it probably helps you with the 15 to 100 handshakes that you have to do at the end of the night. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, just a little boost to protect you. You're going to be shaking a lot of hands. Uh, so I think that's good. Well, last one for me would be my Canon 6D Mark II. I'm not endorsed by Canon, although if you're listening, wouldn't mind it. Um, but my Canon 6D Mark II, if you have n- noticed, hey, buddy, <laughs> uh, if you have noticed uh, in the last few times I've traveled internationally, I'm making nightly vlogs or daily vlogs, and that camera it's it's more than a GoPro for me. A GoPro would be great, but it's only filming. This is a camera that I can take pictures of to remember my trip. It's a fantastic camera, but it's a great video camera. And I just take one lens. I usually take a 24 millimeter 1.4 lens. And the great thing about the 60 Mark II is that it has a flip out screen. So as somebody that's holding the camera towards their face while walking down the streets of Spain... It's nice to be able to see that I'm in focus and that the mm. focus has locked onto my face instead of getting back to the hotel room and be like, great, that was my only time in Spain and all of my footage is blurry because I couldn't see my face. So the flip out screen is super important. So the 60 Mark II is my last pick. Sweet. Yeah. 
Is that even? Did we do three each? <laughs> I went first, so you still owe oh, me one okay. more. Or no, did you go first? I don't remember. The only thing that I always forget is a hand towel. I always forget to take a hand towel, and I'm always just soiling my pants with hand sweat. <laughs> Not soiling my pants. Holy <laughs> so- crap, bro. I was like, dog? Do you just do you just not Dude, recognize the words flying out of your did, face? Have you did you see that Tony Royster little mini video that he posted the other day? He he no. did like a like a short comedy sketch. I'm not gonna, okay. I'm not going to ruin it, but it has everything to do with soiling. <laughs> just check it out. It's I did not, Instagram. but I will check it out. Did you see Jerome Flood post him uh, no. the, the voiceover of me? No. What? Oh my god! I, he got every Toyota Corolla person in the world mad at me so he voiceovered one of my videos and he's like man you can't play drums but i play drums like this and that's why i drive a tesla and you drive you're driving a corolla and i was like whoa 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 i love corollas love corollas they're great cars i've rented them before Uh, everything's good about a corolla so yeah uh everybody's fair game now i talked to carter right afterwards he's like yo i he's like that was funny but i'm scared because if he's coming for us yeah. he's coming he's, he's gonna bring the heat <laughs> i was like well it'll be personal so all right well everybody we hope that you guys have lots of must-have things and you can always share that stuff with us because we haven't found out everything yet so if you find something that gets you through the gig let us know about it Tag us on instagram we would love to see your must-haves now let's talk about some candy the Tama SLP Fat Spruce drum set. I'm excited to talk about this. I think this is an amazing kit. Yeah, so uh, we're kind of foreshadowing in the next uh, couple issues. We're doing the whole lineup of the SLP kits, the new, the three new kits that they put out. But this, I just wanted to kind of talk about the Fat Spruce because of the three, this is the one that as I was testing it, I was like, okay, this is something special. This is something that I it just resonates with me. The other two are cool as well. But this one, I just felt like, oh, this is really something special. It is, it's kind of, it's kind of your and I's favorite sizes, too. It's a 12 and 14-inch toms and a 20-inch bass drum. Man. Uh, and they do have a snare that I guess is optional. I think it's a six and a half, which the whole kit is based on the snare that came out a couple years ago. Right, right. Um what is the it's spruce but is it 100 percent? yeah it's 100 percent. yeah i mean that's the thing is i i mean obviously i've seen people use this as a veneer because it's almost as uh random and tight packed in its grain as like a babinga mm-hmm. it's not quite there where it's like little tiny swirls but it, it is a gorgeous gorgeous wood so it's a great veneer to throw on a maple shell but to make a whole kit out of it i don't think i've ever seen that before yeah, I thought the color was great. It's like a dark brown, chocolatey brown. It's it's classic as all get out. And I mean, <clears throat> at this price point, the details are nuts. The the little Tama engraving in the diecast hoops. Hell, the fact that you get diecast hoops right. for this price. <laughs> yeah, diecast awesome. hoops, mini mini tube lugs. Um, they're I can't remember what they call it, but their tom mount that's on the rack tom is is the, yeah you barely notice it and it it doesn't affect the resonance. I couldn't tell in any way, shape, or form. The direct flexi mount. That's what they're calling it. All right, yep. direct flexi mount. <laughs> <laughs> so let's listen. But to it's the pretty thing. cool when you let's listen. To it. <laughs>
Okay, so one thing I want to point out right away is I had Tama's website open, and then I had the video that you just played the audio from, which is you playing drums, and it's your review of it open. I can't even tell you how impressed I was, how similar that kit sounded from Tama's professional studio recording. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're trying to sell a drum set. Let's make this sound as amazing as possible. And then you going, okay, uh, I do this for a living, and I'm going to make this as honest as possible. Mm-hmm. It was the it was the same drum set. Yeah, yeah. It was. It I was, was blown away. It kind of does its thing, and you really can't screw it up. <laughs> it just it has its sound. Which how would you describe it? I mean, it's definitely fat. That's, it's, that's a good way to describe it. It's. I would say that it's. Way more mid-tone driven than a maple or birch shell, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. The problem when I when I normally hear mid-tone drums, like say like a walnut or something, it's kind of low mids. I'm also usually losing something that mm-hmm. I would that I really enjoy. You're not losing anything. This is just filling in that. So it's a very thick sounding drum set, especially for how small it is. Uh, but the one thing that I kind of freaked out about too was generally when you do these videos. I can tell you right away, oh, it's it's a good drum, but that's my favorite tuning. That's its home. Mm-hmm. This thing sounded great in all of its tunings. Yeah. I mean, I, I originally started with it cranked, and I loved it because it, it, it didn't choke. You can get that really high bebop sound, and it, but it still had some, some extra body that you don't always get. Sometimes drums just sound, start to sound like timbales, and there's no tone whatsoever. Right. I mean, I had the, yeah. that high tuning. It was, it was really tight. So that was like, okay, that's where this kit's meant to be. And then when I started, I think between that and the mid-tuning, it was maybe a quarter, a half a turn at most down. Really? And it just became like, whoa, okay, it's got that. And then I went another half turn. I was like, all right, now we're getting into like super deep, thuddy, no muffling on any of the drums in any of the wow. those tunings. That's pretty cool, man. I would, I, I, you know... I try my best to not be biased towards Gretsch, so please understand. But I still am a Gretsch artist, so for me to be gushing over what is this a twelve hundred dollar kit or less yeah. than that? Yeah, it's like I think a twelve ninety nine maybe. Yeah, okay. To be, it's you. Um, <laughs> I can't even speak. Uh, it's it's a pretty awesome kit. I I mean, these are the kits that I get the most excited about because I don't really get excited for my students when it comes to a $5,000 high-end kit it's like well it's going to be amazing all you have to do is pick the color like they're not going to screw it up it's mm-hmm. going to be a great drum set but you it's a little different when you get in that $1,200 realm it's like am I spending my money properly am I getting the best bang for my buck yeah and this is one of those kits where it's like dude this thing kind of knocked it out of the park yep for sure yeah I think if you haven't checked out Thomas SLP line it's it's definitely not entry level drums. I think it's right in that no. sweet spot of you need something that sounds professional, but you also need to be able to take it out and not be afraid of to use it. It's not a museum and, piece. You know what's what's crazy is ten years ago, yes, this would have been a very high end kit. A mm-hmm. solid spruce kit with that finish, die cast hoops, um, you know, and it's a it's a weird mount. I prefer mounting my mount to the shell because I don't think it kills it that much compared to like back in the day when you'd have a whole pole go through your drum. Right, yeah. So, but then the fact that it's kind of got some play in it, like a a sustain system, I think is amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I I was really impressed with this drum kit for sure. And like I said, the whole all spruce shell, really cool. So. Um, 
the toms are six ply spruce shells, five millimeter um, shells, and then the bass drum is an eight ply seven mil shell. And then they do the normal tama finishing touches. All of the uh, nuts and bolts on the inside of the shell are black. So against the blonde spruce shell, mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I couldn't find any aesthetic faults at all. It's well, you can head over to Tama.com and check that out, or you can just go to ModernDrummer.com and check out the review that Mike did on that. And now let's get to your questions. All right, this first one is from um, Todd. He says, I recently sprained my right wrist, which is his dominant hand, and I can't grip anything to save my life. Do you guys have any advice on what I could do in order to keep myself busy drum-wise in the meantime? Do you have any left hand or bass drum exercises in particular that that can be done without my right hand? Couldn't we just do everything you talked about and I talked about in the linear section? Yeah, right. So play a rhythm left hand, and and then put the bass drum in the spaces. Yep. Take syncopation, uh, summary number one, and play the whole thing with your left hand, and every rest is a bass drum. Yeah. That or take stick control, and every right is a bass drum instead of, you know. There you go. There you go. Done. Fix that. Dig it. So your left hand is going to be smoking by the time you get the right one back. I'm going to go sprain my wrist tonight. All right. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) All right. This one's from Kelvin. Uh, he says, you guys mentioned the Antonio Sanchez album Birdman, which is awesome and really has me thinking creatively. Are there any other drummer albums like this? This has been a quest of mine for a while, and there's not a ton, but I'll give you a few suggestions. Jack DeJohnette Pictures, I think, is is one of the greatest albums, in my opinion. It's almost all solo drums with ambient background textures and stuff. Uh, Ari Honig has a couple records where it's just solo drums. Um, if you want to get more out there, check out Chris Corsano. He's got some really out but interesting records. Uh, Tony Oxley, if you can find anything that he's done, there's 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 a number of Didn't them. Didn't we review a guy named Marquini? Is that his name? Marquini has a couple records yeah. where it's drums over top of loops. Um, a little, yeah. you know, not quite the same as just solo improvised sure. drums. Um, and then for you know the originator, check out Max Roach Drums Unlimited. There's I think three or four solo drum pieces on there. Uh, but yeah, this has been a search of mine to find because I love that stuff. I love listening to it, not just stealing drum stuff. I'm kind of weird. Right. I like listening to drums. You drum. enjoy it, you mean. <laughs> yeah. Not, but it, it, the irony is I don't like drum solos. Like go to a show and watch someone play a drum solo. Sure. But if down, someone's going to yeah. like compose or improvise an entire hour on drum set i'm into it wow that's really cool weird i'm weird anyway i'll take it next one next question um which one should i go with uh okay this one is from matt um this is about the value of getting custom mold in ears versus uh non-custom molds that offer the same amount of noise reduction so the question is um, you guys have a lot of experience with universal and custom molds, so would you please mm-hmm. A-B the two models that he is asking about, which is the UE5s, Ultimate Ears, okay. and the UE900. So the UE5s are custom molds, the UE900s are non-custom molds, both of which claim to offer 26 decibels of noise reduction. I mean, we could do pro, pros and cons. I mean, is that how you yeah, want to Yeah, I mean, my it? experience with even the high-end non-custom molds 
it's not that I don't believe they offer 26 dB of noise reduction. It's that they offer 26 dB if you never move. Yeah. But yeah, as a drummer yeah. that's shaking your head, they're always coming a little bit loose. And then you're just constantly pushing them back in and pushing them back yep. in. Even the best ones that I've found. Where with a custom mold, once it, it's in, it's kind of in. The only time you hear noise jump in is when you yawn. Right. Yeah. And it breaks the seal for a second. <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, is that how loud we are tonight? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't disagree with that. If you're, if you're just taking a plane ride somewhere, I think that either would be fine. But there's something about that seal that the custom molds offer that – it just seals, and what you hear is what you get. I really enjoy it. Yeah, and I think, um, from my experience, the yes, it might. Maybe it does actually reduce it by 26 decibels, but it's not evenly. Like, the frequencies aren't evenly right. being. So with with custom molds, for me, the outside world is gone. Like, there's almost zero sound, and yes. which is ideal for a lot of things, recording and playing theater gigs and that sort of thing. Or on an airplane, you don't want to hear anything, but those in. Right. The non-custom molds, you're still getting a little bit of ambient sound, but it's not its not a satisfying ambient sound. Agreed. It's kind Agreed, of yeah. low mid-rangey, wolfy, kind of cloudy. So your drums are going to sound weird. Yeah, to me, the ambient sound that's coming in is actually fighting with the sound coming yeah. from the in-ears, and I, it's actually making it worse for me. I it's think so. It's not helping me feel the moment. And you got to turn them up louder than you should. Yeah, yeah. and then I'm damaging my ears. So. <laughs> All right, let's get to our picks of the week. Uh, my pick of the week this time is something I think I've thrown your guys' way early, early on in the podcast, but I just broke it out again for a specific shot that I was trying to get of the drum set, and I, I think that this is going to be relative to all drummers out there. If you have an interchangeable lens camera like a DSLR, one thing that we're always trying to do, especially if you only have one camera, is get ourselves and the drum set into the shot. And if you have a cropped frame sensor, then that's not an easy thing to do. Mm. A very wide angle, like a 24 mil on a crop sensor is going to be like a 35, and it's really hard to get. You'd have to have the camera pretty far away from your kit to get it and you and your face all in all at once. So there is a lens that is very affordable, brand new. It's like $399. Or you could go to like a used place like KEH.com, KEH.com or Adorama and get it for about $299. Um, and it's just called the uh, Tokina uh, 11 to 16 millimeter 2.8. So a, an 11 mil lens on a full frame sensor, that's like full blown fisheye. But on a crop sensor, it's a it's cool. It, it distorts the edges a little bit, so it's going to bend the edges. But it actually does it in a cool way that it kind of bends your drum set into frame. Mm. And then you can always zoom in to 16 mil if you wanted to or anywhere in between. But the main thing for all of you that are doing like the basement drumming thing, f2.8, that's the thing you want to pay attention to. That means that this lens lets in a lot of light. So it's okay if you don't have full-blown studio lighting. You're still going to be able to get mm. it pretty bright without having to jack up your iso which then creates a ton of noise and artifacts so for 300 bucks this is if you guys know i mean i use like l series lenses and i have these super expensive lenses and cameras and i have not either traded sold or given this lens away and i've had it since the beginning of my youtube days once i started using dslrs 
and it's just a great lens. I broke it out recently, and I was like, oh, I forgot how great this lens is. And mm-hmm. the optics are fantastic. So yeah. um, if you need something to get the whole kit and you and you want to talk to the camera, check out the Tokina 11-16 lens, brand new, under 400, and used under 300. I just wrote it down because that's exactly what I need to finally purchase. I've been using dealing with the, the kit lens that came with my T3i. And it's like, I can't, I've got so much light in my room too. I've got four freaking light boxes and I still have to have the ISO like 800. It's just, yeah, man. it's too much. The other thing, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but definitely check in what native ISO on the T3i is. Uh, it's probably on a T3i 400, um, it, but so 400 is probably their native ISO, but Every camera has either native ISO or dual native ISO, um, which is two different ones. But if you set the camera at that ISO, that is the cleanest the image will ever be. So mm. it's not even it doesn't even get better when you go down. It's like that is what it's meant to do. So you kind of want to use your aperture as your friend because that's real light. Um, so, yeah, if you had this lens at 2.8 and like I said, you could zoom it in to 16 mil if you want. But you have a crop sensor on the T3i so you can zoom it out to 11 and get the whole thing in there. All right, Christmas for myself is done. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Dawson. Minitize that stuff. All right, my pick of the week is the Aquarian, what do they call it? This is, if there's one bit of advice I would like to give them, it is to figure out how to call your coated heads in a way that's not just coated. What What is the coated, texture-coated dot Single ply? head? Oh, yeah. Uh, single ply texture coated with dot. Yeah, yeah, that's too <laughs> that's many words. Name. <laughs> that's the name. That's not the description. Give me that again. Texture coated. S- single ply texture coated with dot. Yeah, that is my new favorite snare drum batter head. Um, single ply texture coated, and it's a white dot, right? Yeah. Does, does it matter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All, all that aside, it's a great sounding head, and it came stock yeah. on a on a drum that I'm reviewing now. And I was re- just really impressed with how kind of thick and dense it made the drum sound without killing all the tone and without making it just feel like I'm playing on like a piece of Tupperware. Awesome, man! So that's my you know, pick of the week. One thing I would add to that is we were kind of discussing earlier about how they've really taken a deep dive into accessories. And they, the cool thing is they sell that dot by itself. So for any of you that want to just put it on, take it off, put it on, take it off, mm. uh, that's another thing to add to your stick bag. Like, okay, well, and it, it'll instantly give you – it's not full-blown you know, fat snare drum sound, but it will mute it down quite a bit. What do they call that thing? Because I have one of those. i got to try that on like a regular – I think it's just head. called a drum patch. Okay, cool. Um, cause they, they make it for, they make a huge one for the bass drum where if you break your bass drum head, you can literally throw this massive mylar patch over the hole mm-hmm. and play through the rest of the gig and, and it'll be fine. Um, all right. So my pick of the week is the removable <laughs> aquarium. <laughs> no, the, uh, the uh, textured single ply texture coated with dot yeah. batter head is, it's a really great head. I think it's ideal for anyone who wants an open snare drum sound and doesn't want to have to put gel on it it kind of gets rid of it just gives you a little bit of a extra point to the attack which for recording is is great so it's my new favorite head love it all right well let's uh let's listen to some sweet grooves by you tell me patrick carmichael (laughs) Oh, 
What do you mean, me tell you? So we've been talking about this all day. (laughs) Patrick built a beat. um, He's using. He's doing all live drums and percussion. It's all in his practice recording studio in Brooklyn. What's he say? First, I, I first played the track, alternating between two different feels on the drum set, then I overdubbed a bunch of percussion to create the collage that we are listening to now. Dig it. Gotta say, these two beats for this week Oof. really up the ante. I know. I, that's that's tough. <laughs> that, there's like somebody right now with like their Zoom Q2, and they're like, eh, screw it. I don't care. Well, you know what I'm I like, listen- no, no, no. <laughs> Keep doing it. What I listened to the other day uh, for like an hour was the bootleg Vinny Cayuta drum solo from a clinic, probably in the late 80s. And I mean, how was it recorded with a handheld tape recorder? Right. And it sounded yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> it sounded amazing. So uh, don't let that don't let that scare you away. Please send your beats. I'm only kidding. They could be any quality. Just, just do something fun. MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. Fantastic. All right, buddy. Well, have an amazing week trying to wean yourself off coffee. I'll send you some links for green tea and some and some rooibos and some oolong and different things you can try. All right. And uh, in the meantime, everyone go out there, practice, and vinitize your licks. See you next week. Later, brah.